everyone to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now here's the show. Hello everyone. Well, here we are, episode six. Uh, got a long topic for you, so I'm going to try to keep this uh, intro section to a minimum. I just wanted to say that so far the questions and comments that I've been receiving have been great, uh, have got some for you. Also, the subscriber rate has went up quite uh, quite a lot in the last couple days. Uh, just this last week, basically went from about an average of about 45 subscribers all the way up to over 60, so that was great to see. Also, uh, the TalkingReef.com website have received uh, a handful of registered users on there, and that's good to see. Starting to get a couple posts in the forums, uh, also great. Make sure that you go out there and post any of your comments and questions out there. Start up some discussions with some fellow members and see what we can do there. I'm going to try to wrap that up, and right now I'd like to move on to the question and answer session. Uh, like I said, I've got a, a good question this time, and we're going to use that as our main topic of the show. I've received many questions this week for the show. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the first question that I received this week, and I'm going to use that as the main topic of the show. The other questions are shorter, so I'm going to combine those into another episode that's going to follow this one shortly. Uh, I'm expecting it to be released within a couple days of this episode, hopefully sooner. I'm doing this because this episode was just about finished up when I received the additional questions. Uh, Basically, this question came earlier on in the week. Uh, I'd already written most of this episode and got it ready to go. And then over the last probably two days, I received a handful of other questions. So I'm going to turn those into another episode. It's just going to be easier for me to do. So for this episode's question and answer section, I have received a great question from the TalkingReef.com forums. And this, like the last episode, I'm going to take this and make it the main topic of the episode. There's no doubt that this is going to be a controversial topic, so I want to make sure that everybody understands that the following discussion is my opinion, nothing more. If you agree or disagree, I do want to hear from you. You don't have to write in a full email if you don't want. Feel free to go to the forums and post your comments there. This question was originally brought up, like I said, on the forums, so you can find this original topic there in the forums, and you can feel free to post any of your comments on there. Uh, supporting, agreeing, disagreeing with what I'm about to discuss. So feel free to go out there, check it out, uh, add your two cents, make some new posts, uh, whatever you feel you want to do. So here we are, we're going to go on to the first topic. So for the first topic, we're going to discuss synthetic sea salts. Selecting a good salt mix. What to look for, what to stay away from. There are many things you want to look for when picking a synthetic sea salt, and many things that need to be considered. For starters, you need to understand what type of tank you have. Is it a fish-only tank or is it going to be a full-blown reef tank? Since these tanks have very different needs, the type of salt that you use may be very important. Fish-only tanks do not have the important dependency on major and minor trace elements and will likely do well with just about any off-the-shelf type synthetic sea salt. What are trace elements? That's a great question. I'm glad I asked. Trace elements are are essential chemicals and minerals that are needed in your tank. Again, this is targeted more towards reef tanks, but they are important in fish-only tanks too, just not nearly as much. Examples of some trace elements would be magnesium, potassium, phosphate, and carbon. These elements are referred to as trace elements because they are usually only found and needed in trace amounts. Here is a great example. 
and a common misconception. Phosphate is a required element in all reef tanks. It must be there for proper coral health and growth. However, it is what is referred to as a trace element. It is a trace element in the sense that it should only be, a pr only be present in trace amounts. Basically, all synthetic sea salts are going to contain phosphate, and they should, but it should only be in small amounts. If you were to test a fresh mix of salt water with a home test kit, you should not detect any phosphate. It's there, but in small amounts, in amounts so small that a home test kit can't detect them. It should never be in the water in an amount large enough to be picked up by a home test kit. This is one of the primary reasons why you don't want to use tap water and you want to keep a close eye on the type of food that you use. Uh, phosphate is a common element in both so make sure you pay close attention to those. Like I said, it is something that is supposed to be in your synthetic sea salts so if you do see it written and in the ingredients or the elements listed for those salts don't be alarmed it is supposed to be there so without getting into a full-blown chemistry lesson when you're looking into salt mixes you want to make sure that the mix you choose has the right amounts of needed trace elements if you're working with a fish only tank you won't need to be too picky on the trace elements but if you are working with a reef tank you want to make sure that it has sufficient trace elements are elements such as calcium, strontium, magnesium, and potassium. The more your tank is a reef tank, the more you're going to need these elements. Uh, what I mean by more it's, the more it's a reef tank, the more coral you have, the more stony corals, the more invertebrates, the more clams, stuff like that, the more you're going to need these elements. Um, even invertebrates such as clams and stuff, and even oysters, they do require items such as calcium and strontium and magnesium. It is important for coral and invertebrate health. So if you don't have any of those, then these items, needless to say, aren't that important. Uh, but for the tanks that are reef tanks, it is important to make sure that you account for all of these chemicals and these elements and make sure that you maintain them on an ongoing basis. Okay, enough with the Chem 101. There are many great and in-depth articles on the internet regarding this topic. Many include very detailed chemical analysis of the salt. So, at the sake of plagiarism, I'm going to simply refer you to these sites. I'm going to put a list of them in the show notes. Feel free to go through and make your own decisions on which one is better or worse for your tank. If you have specific questions, feel free to send them in. I'll do my best to answer them. The other common thing that people look for in a salt mix is its salubility. In other words, how well does it dissolve in water? Some salt mixes do not dissolve as, other, as well as others. Some salt requires more stirring, more time to dissolve, and even aeration in order to properly prepare the mix for your tank. Some will leave the water looking cloudy and even dirty looking after you mix them until you let them sit and properly dissolve into the into the water and get it prepared for the tank. So this is a basic summary of what you should look for in a salt mix. I'm going to refrain from recommending a specific brand. However, I will say that personally I use Instant Ocean. I've tried a couple others. I haven't found any remarkably big differences between them but I do like the way that this one mixes and it does dissolve very good for me. It does have a lot of the needed elements that I do need. Instant Ocean does also make a brand called Reef Crystals 
and this is targeted more towards the full-blown reef systems. I haven't tried using this one mainly because the Instant Ocean brand, the plain Instant Ocean brand that I use, has met my needs. Um, I am considering trying this. Maybe I will try it and supply some feedback on the site or in the show for you. But at this point, I stick with the plain Instant Ocean. If you prefer something different, uh, please feel free to voice your opinion, send in your emails, or simply go to the Talking Reef forums and reply to the post out there on this topic. Proper salt mixing techniques. How long to let it sit before you add it to the tank and what kind of parameters do you need to match? This is a commonly underestimated task. Mixing your water is not a task that should be treated lightly. After all, what you get out of your tank is only as good as what you put in it. And since water is the most abundant thing in your tank, you should pay close attention to this process. It's not a hard process, and once you get used to it and get a pattern, it's something that you can accomplish very quickly and very easily. So here is an outline of what to follow to get a proper salt mix for your tank. For starters, unless you're filling an empty tank, never mix the salt into the tank. I recommend getting some large plastic bins or buckets, depending on the, the amount of water that you need to change at once. For example, I use two 10-gallon plastic storage bins to prep my water before I add them into the tank. So the first thing on your list that we're going to need is a mixing container or two, depending on your needs. The next item is probably one of the most important, the water source. I covered this briefly in a previous episode. But basically, I want, to, I want you to start with highly purified water. You should only use distilled water or RODI water. You should never use tap water or spring water. I know that some people are in areas where they have very clean tap water, but the overwhelming majority, uh, tap water is just way too contaminated to use in your tank. It's going to have high levels of phosphate and chlorine and fluoride and items, even copper and, and stuff like that and iron. It, there are amounts that are way too high for your tank. So I don't want to get into a big, huge debate about this. I do know that some people are in areas where they can use their, their tap water. Uh, but those are few and far between. And to even mention that tap water is okay is very, very confusing to a lot of people. So... Even if you do think that you have relatively good tap water, I would recommend against it. RODI units you can get relatively cheap from some places on the internet. If you are interested in one, let me know. I can point you to some good ones. Uh, but at the price of a, less than a penny per gallon on your own RODI unit, it's well worth the cost. And you're going to get some very, very clean water that is also very good for drinking water. So, okay, enough about that. I'm going to move on. Now that we have our containers and our water, well, of course, the next item is salt. I just discussed this, so get the salt mix that you chose, and we'll be ready for the next items. For the next items, you're going to need a hydrometer, a refractometer, or something that you can use to check the specific gravity or the salinity. Okay, the next two items are sometimes skipped, but I feel are very important, and I do recommend that you proceed with them. The next items would be a heater and a power head. You need the heater to, well, heat the water. Go figure. You're going to need the power head to help mix up the water. At this point, the next item is optional, 
but may be needed in your situation. In some cases, it is needed to buffer the water. If the pH is too high or too low, you may need to adjust it. I know some salt, most salt mixes do include a pH buffer, uh, but as I'm going to go on to explain, sometimes it's just not sufficient. So at this point, we have our list of needed items. I'll recap those real quick for you. So going down the list, what you're going to need. Some mixing containers, some RODI water, or distilled water, your salt, hydrometer, a heater, power head, and possibly some pH buffer if you need it. So now that we have all these items, uh, you can start by filling the containers or container with water, purified water of course. Once the containers are filled, you should add your salt mix. Make sure that you read the instructions on your salt mix to get the proper mix ratio. For example, with Instant Ocean, you use one cup of salt for every gallon of water. So let's add our salt and stir it up. Now that we have our basic salt water mix, at this point we should add the heater and the power head. The power head will help keep the water heat heating up evenly and will help keep the water mixing while you're waiting for it to heat up. Once the water is fully heated to the temperature of your tank water, it's time to test the water. So get out your hydrometer and test the salinity or the specific gravity. It's important to test this only when the water is heated up. As its water temperature rises, the salinity changes. If you have a bucket of salt water at 60 degrees Fahrenheit and it reads at a specific gravity of 1.026 and then you heat it up to about 82 degrees Fahrenheit, you'll find that the specific gravity of the water drops. So any reading of the salinity when the water is not at the right temperature will be inaccurate. If your salinity is too low, simply add some more salt to the mix. You want to mix it up again and then test it again. If it's too high, you can add fresh water right to that mix, mix it up, test it again. Continue to do this until you get the right specific gravity. If you get to the point where your bucket or container is filled up and it's off and you need to add more water to it, go ahead and take a gallon or so of the water out, pour it down the drain, and then add a little bit more water or salt and you can continue building up as you need. Uh, it's a good idea to do this in small amounts so you don't run into that, uh, but don't worry about it. You shouldn't get to a situation where you have to dump out the entire bucket. Once you get the salinity and the temperature on par, you need to check the pH level. While most salt mixes contain a pH buffer, it's important to get it a test to make sure that it's working and that it's enough. A simple test and it's important. You don't want to screw up your tank's pH because you didn't test the water. If the pH is off, adjust as needed. Well, that's about it. You now have a properly mixed water and it's ready to go in your tank. Now, some people say that you need to let the water sit for 24 hours first, or that you need to aerate the water. A lot of this has to do with the salt that you use. I have found that with the instant ocean salt, I don't have to do any of this. So just keep in mind there are a lot of opinions floating around out there, and depending on the salt mix that you're using, you may or may not have to follow any of these procedures. So at this point, we're going to move on to the next main question. The next comment that was made was about using real seawater, water from the ocean. Um, there's a couple good points and bad points about doing this. 
Um, it should be noted that a lot of public aquariums actually do this uh, because they have so much water that they go through. Uh, the aquariums that are located close enough to the proper source of seawater will actually pump in large amounts of ocean water and use them in their tanks. Uh, the other point is since we are trying to duplicate natural seawater, well, what's better than natural seawater to actually do the trick for you? But with all that, there are many valid concerns about using real seawater. Really, it's only best if you live in a tropical or reef area. If you're lucky enough to live in the South Pacific or in the Caribbean, this may be a real option for you. If you don't live in one of those areas, there are a lot of things that you have to worry about. Um, if you live in Florida or anywhere along the American East Coast, uh, the coast around England, or anywhere else that's not in a tropical area, you might want to rethink this. And as I was saying, there are a lot of things that you do need to worry about. Uh, some of those are the wrong trace elements or the improper amount of trace elements, the wrong mineral mix-up, makeup, uh, pollution from runoff in cities and industry. And the other one, which is to me one of the most important things, is the risk of foreign parasites, bacteria, fungus, and stuff like that. All in all, unless you know the exact makeup of the seawater you're thinking about using, it's probably not a good idea to use it. Just get some salt and mix up your own. As far as I'm concerned, even if I did live in an area where I thought I might be able to trust the seawater, there's just too many unknowns. And with the amount of time and energy and, most importantly, money, I would rather just get away from the unknowns, mix up my own batch of water with the synthetic salt, that way I know exactly what's in there and I can trust it. So there you go. Now you know what to use, what materials you need to have, and what to do with them. Uh, feel free to send in any comments or questions regarding this topic uh, or post them right to the discussion board. Uh, like I said, this is a very controversial issue. Uh, I'm going to include some notes so that you can find some more detailed information regarding this. Uh, but like I said, the stuff that I've, the stuff that I've listed here is just my opinion. So uh, take it at that. So at this point, uh, I'm going to end the topic, and I think we're going to move on to wrap things up. Okay. So we just covered the items regarding your mixing your salt and getting it ready for your tank. One important thing to mention that I didn't mention above is about not using salt water mixes in topping off your tank. Uh, for example. About a week or two goes by since you add anything to your tank, you notice that the water level in your tank is low. Hopefully you don't let it go a week or two, but you will notice that over time the level of water in your tank is going to go, go down. The important thing to remember here is that water evaporates, salt does not. So after the couple days or a week or whatever, when you notice that it's low, it's important to top that off with just regular purified water. Um, what you're going to notice is that when the water level goes down in your tank, the salinity is going to go up. Uh, like I said, the water is evaporating, the salt's not. So the um, total amount of water in your tank is going to go down, but the amount of salt is going to stay the same. So what's going to happen is it's going to give you a spike in your salinity. That's why it's important in small tanks to make sure you keep on top of this on a daily basis. Um, the larger the tank, the easier this is to deal with. Uh, you can usually get away with adding top-off water every couple days or so. 
but like I said, it's important to make sure that you top off with a fresh water mix. Do not top off with salt water because it's just going to add to the overall amount of salt in your tank. That about wraps it up for the show. Uh, questions and comments always welcome, as I always say. Like I said, make sure you get out there, spread the word about the show. The subscription rate is climbing, as I mentioned in, in the beginning. Uh, we are getting some comments on the discussion boards and some registered users, so everything is looking great. Uh, comments and questions are still coming in, so I would like to keep them coming in. If you have any, send them in. Uh, and That's going to wrap it up for this show. Like I said, the, um, the next episode, which is going to follow very closely, is going to be all the comments and questions that I've received this week, besides for this one, of course. It's probably going to be a shorter show. Uh, this one wasn't pretty, wasn't very long, uh, but the next one's probably not going to be very long either. So expect that one in the next couple days. Thank you. Have a good one.